a trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. So glad you could join me. I've got some good news for you today and a little bit of bad news, but hey, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both and something, something. I'm sure a little tune sprang to life in your brain as I was saying that. I want to mention that our program is brought to you by great sponsors like MonticelloCollege.org, as well as the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage and LifesavingFood.com. Now, something interesting here. I... I had forgotten September is National Preparedness Month. Maybe I got caught up in all the other stuff that was going on, but I had forgotten about this. Well, check this out. For the next few days, like until September 25th, you can score 20% off your purchase at Life Saving Food. 20% off. This is really significant, especially if you're, you know, buying a big ticket item. Just use my name, Hyde, H-Y-D-E, at checkout for that 20% discount. Now, again, that's a limited time offer. I was just looking through to see, okay, what would I get? And since I'm the kind of guy who, I got to have some protein in my diet, I got to have some meat, I was looking at some of the deals they have on meat buckets. Now, again, this is 25-year shelf life, but we're talking 60 servings of real meat in this one bucket. This is $209.99, take 20% off when you use the coupon code HIDE, but it includes teriyaki chicken, Southwest-style chicken, roasted chicken, stroganoff beef, cheesy ground beef, roasted ground beef. Yeah. I mean, hey, that all, survival could actually be kind of a nice thing. Well, I mean, it's just good to have these stores of food. But remember, this is a limited-time offer. This is for my listeners. Use the coupon code HIDE at the checkout for a 20% discount, but hurry, that's a limited-time offer, which expires on September 25th. So, let's start with some good news. And and I I share this with you because I had some time to travel this weekend and, you know, just with family. So this this was the right kind of, you know, together time. Great opportunity to just spend some time with family and trying to look at the silver lining of all the stuff that's happened. As I have mentioned on this program in the last few episodes, I... I'm still coming to terms, and I think I'm, I'm finally getting there to where I'm, I'm okay with embracing that uh, we are not going to go back to normal. It's just not going to happen. Things have changed. The shift has come, and what we are left to deal with is reality, which I've heard defined as everything you wish, or I'm sorry, everything that remains when you wish it were otherwise. But there's a certain way of looking at things, and again, I'm going to hearken to the thinking of uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, who was a prisoner in a German concentration camp during World War II. Later, after surviving the war, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he talks about how when when something happens, we may not have control over what is happening to us, but he says there is a gap between that thing happening and how we choose to react to it. And he says that's where our growth takes place. We can choose to respond in a positive way. So I wanted to share with you something I found on Facebook over the weekend. I know, it's a fount of wisdom. No, I, I found this, this uh, just what-if scenario. But I love the thinking 
that goes along with this. This was posted on uh, an account by the name of Lee Rackley. So I, I hope I'm giving credit to the right person. Um, yeah, this, I mean, this thing has been shared thousands and thousands of times. But what if not having a vaccine passport meant that you could no longer go to a restaurant and were instead forced to have picnics and dinner parties? What if not having a vaccine passport meant that instead of supporting huge supermarket chains where 80% of the food is rubbish, you instead had to turn to your local farmers and green grocers? What if not being allowed to fly meant that instead you had to explore your own beautiful state or road trip through the countryside, bringing business back to small towns along the way? What if losing your job working for a company meant that instead you got to start building your passion and vision and start your own business and got to keep the income generated for yourself. By the way, when I shared this on Facebook, someone thoughtfully pointed out, minus the taxes they're going to take. It's true. They will take your taxes. But there is something to be said for starting your own company. And I really wish I had done it uh, years earlier. What if instead of running straight to the doctor you started looking into other healing modalities that focused on the cause instead of just the symptoms. What if instead of being stuck indoors training in a gym, you trained amongst nature and in the fresh air and sunshine? What if instead of living in fear, you lived in faith and started realizing that these could be silver linings and blessings in disguise? Now, I know there are some people, the naysayers will say, well, that's very Pollyanna-ish, you know, you're just, you're just turning your back on reality. No, I think this is actually, this is embracing reality. This is embracing the change and saying, look, I may not be able to change this, but I can turn this to my advantage. And you know what? There's nothing that anybody can do to take that positive attitude or that positive approach away from you. Because it's your choice. This is one of the few things you and I actually have control over. So seeing this, uh, you know, what if scenario, especially after spending time with family and thinking, man, things have, have kind of changed in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that we just can't do that we would think about doing. But there's a lot of stuff that we can do and, and should be doing. In spite of all the restrictions, all of the strictures here and there telling us, you know, you can't do this, you must do that. So I offer this for your consideration. There is a link in the show notes at the com that will take you to this if you want to pass it around. If you're on Facebook, if you're not, well, I hope you have a good memory because <laughs> I've just shared it with you. and Hopefully that'll, that'll get you through. Now, I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about experts. I saw a great article over the weekend from Art Carden from the American Institute for Economic Research. And... I don't think it's an exaggeration. I don't think this is hyperbole to say that, well, you know, the experts are trying to run everything in our lives. At least they're weighing in on, on every single aspect of our lives. But the funny thing is, experts are, are good to have around. And Ed Car- Art Carden explains, you know, hey, it's wonderful to have access to people who have legit expertise. But he reminds us none of those experts can judge as accurately What's personally best for you and your circumstances like you can? And by the way, even those experts, even when they're right, they can still fail because they don't know you. They don't stand in your shoes. They don't have your priorities. They don't know what is best for you. So I thought that was a good place to start. 
how experts can fail even when they are right. Now, Art Carden says, look, I trust experts. I listen to my doctor, mechanic, hairstylist, and financial advisor. I rely on my doctor to advise me about the effects and side effects of different medications. I trust my mechanic to inform me about how replacing my tires would affect traction. I trust my hairstylist to tell me which products will make my hair look a certain way. I trust my financial advisor to inform me about the combinations of risk and return that different mutual funds offer. I trust them to advise me. However, I do not trust them to choose for me. Even if they wish me nothing but the best and are exactly right within their areas of expertise, they do not have my knowledge of the particular circumstances of time and place. And he says, I think this is true even when there are spillovers, as with contagious diseases like COVID-19. So I want to pause for just a moment here. We're, gonna, we're coming up on the break here in about a minute, but I'm sure you appreciate having experts that you can turn to, right? When, when something goes wrong, when the car stops running or when, you know, something breaks at home. I mean, maybe you're one of those Renaissance people who can, you know, get in there and figure it out and do it yourself. And I have the deepest respect for those who can do it. Now, personally, you know, if I if I have a problem with my heart, I'm not going to try to pop in some new valves for myself, you know, on a do-it-yourself basis. I'm sure there's a video on YouTube that can show me how to how to get this thing done. I just I just got to figure out, you know, how to keep my chest open and stay conscious while I'm putting my new heart valves into work. <laughs> no, I would I would look to a legitimate expert there. But one of the problems that we're running into today is a lot of the experts, by the way, that's air quotes going around them, a lot of these experts seem to have an agenda attached to their expertise or they I, let me put this another way they have hired out their expertise they become a gunslinger sort of for those who have an agenda and this is something that we're seeing in spades i mean we're getting to the point where you know being a medical doctor well that's not enough you can't question this particular aspect of covid mitigation why because that's not your specialty i don't know I think sometimes uh, when when that agenda gets gets into play, it becomes more about the the what are we going to make you do, and what does it take to convince you that someone in authority is saying this is the best thing. This is not to say there aren't times you shouldn't listen to what they have to say, but we're going to come back to Art Carden's article, and I think you'll understand when we're done. You have to make the final choice because you know what's best for you. Back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And we are back. Thanks so much for being part of our growing audience of wrong thinkers today. Sharing an article from Art Carden from the American Institute for Economic Research. He's talking about experts, but and it's great to have experts. He gives examples of the experts he counts on, but he also points out experts can fail even when they are right because they do not have your knowledge of the particular circumstances of time and place. He says, here's a funny, not as emotionally charged, uh, charged as COVID illustration. And he links to a Newsweek article um, and the website, it's a Southern thing, which makes fun of experts' recommendations about thermostat settings that will maximize energy efficiency here and here. This is 
There's the link. There's the link. You can follow this from the link I provide in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Newsweek reports on a Department of Energy and Environmental Protection Agency report prescribing thermostat settings of 78 degrees when home, 82 degrees at night, and 85 degrees when away from home for maximum energy efficiency. Now, people all over social media noticed pretty quickly these expert recommendations were leaving out some vital considerations. First of all, if energy efficiency is all that matters, why stop at thermostat settings? Why not simply recommend getting rid of home heating and cooling altogether? Now, Art Carden says, look, in fairness, I don't think they were urging this on people as much as they were trying to inform folks who might want to save a few dollars on their power bill every year and are looking for small changes they can make. Still, if energy efficiency is a moral imperative, then he says we can do better by telling people they should never turn on their home heating and air again. Whew. (laughs) This is a good, this is actually a really good example. The temperature dropped like a rock where I live recently and, you know, had had to fire up the furnace. Second, he says there's a lot more to life than energy efficiency. There's comfort, for example, and many of us are willing to pay for comfort. He says, from a lot I've read and heard recently, people sleep a lot better in cool bedrooms. I know I do. 82 degrees is a lot of things, but it isn't cool. And comfort affects mood, which directly affects decision-making and relationships. When I'm comfortable, I'm more pleasant to be around, and I make better choices. Saving a few dollars on the power bill every month isn't worth it if it means being grumpier. Third, he says people who want to maintain a constant comfort level with a 78-degree indoor summer temperature might end up wasting a lot of time and money staying cool in other ways. Canned drinks are refreshing when it's hot, but they cost money. Running electric fans costs money. People dutifully setting their thermostats to 78 degrees might not change their total energy use. In fact, what they may do is just change how they do it. In an entertaining but depressing article, Richard B. McKenzie explains that the calories people expend walking to work might create more pollution than driving on net. Fourth, Art Carden points out there are lots of ways to save energy and money. Don't go to restaurants as frequently. Be more judicious when shopping for groceries. Take shorter showers. Turn the lights off when you leave a room. In other words, consume less, but even then, there might be unintended consequences. For example, if more people require prescription eyewear after years and years of sitting under the poor light emitted by environmentally friendly light bulbs, how much of the earth have we saved? And what does this have to do with expert recommendations about things like masking mandates, social distancing, and lockdowns? First, the energy recommendations are presumably there to combat climate change, not just save people money. Distancing and masking protocols are in place to slow down the transmission of COVID-19. However, one of the problems with relying on narrow expertise is that it tends to overemphasize small parts of people's lives. There's more to life than minimizing exposure to or transmission of a single pathogen. Amen, bro. And he says, and there are a lot lot of ways to reduce COVID risk. Of course, many places aren't helping matters by passing laws prohibiting stores, restaurants, and schools from requiring vaccination or masks. And that's hardly consistent with a free society that values experiments in living. In fact, he says, David Henderson has made this point at EconLib, saying, you're not allowed to require proof of vaccination or you're not allowed to require masks actually interferes with people's freedom of association. 
Businesses and schools have dress codes, and people running those businesses and schools know the particular circumstances of time and place better than governors and legislators. He says people also adapt as new information emerges. For instance, Art Carden says, my older son played football for a single season, enjoyed it, and decided it was not for him. Now, he says, my wife and I were a little worried in light of ongoing evidence about football and head trauma, but we let him play, and I got talked into being an assistant coach, which was hilarious in its own right. Likewise, leagues around the country have adopted new to new, adapted rather to new information about head trauma and issued new rules about contact. One referee said they all agreed that it was probably a good idea to throw a flag whenever everyone in the crowd gasped at once. So mandates, lockdowns, and control, even when urged by experts who mean nothing but the best, still throw away a lot of valuable information. First, there's a lot more to life than whatever the expert is an expert on. And this isn't to suggest that people should throw caution to the wind and just do whatever's pleasant and convenient. Second, people adapt to new information. They adopt different policies for their schools, their restaurants, and businesses. They say yes or no to invitations based on new information. They wash their hands with varying degrees of care. The experts, moreover, can get things exactly right, but they can also get things generally wrong. Like experts on energy efficiency don't know where to set your thermostat. Experts on health risks don't know which bundle of risks and precautions is the right one, given your goals and values. Now, again, this is Art Carden, who's a senior fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Man, that just makes so much sense. So, if you'd like, file it away, take a look at it, see what you think, uh, you know, share it with friends. It's some great intellectual ammunition to have for a time when you need it. But don't forget, the ultimate responsibility is on your shoulders. And I know, we like to, but I'm not an expert, I can't do that. It's okay. You really don't need to be an expert. You just have to learn how to to seek out experts, and and not just ones that agree with you, but, you know, take a look at, you got to learn how to think like an expert. This is something I actually studied when I was in school some years back. And it was how to think like an expert. And this is the, the exercise that we were given. I think I was assigned, oh, what was it? Uh, I was assigned to, to, to comment on what experts uh, forecast for North America, you know, for the next 20 years, something like that. And the idea was, you know, I didn't have a crystal ball to gaze into. I couldn't, you know, just read the tea leaves and tell you this is, this is what's going to happen. But you had to go into what experts were saying. And I think I read 14 or 15 different experts prognosticating, here's what we see in terms of energy, in terms of population trends, and so forth. By the way, none of them called COVID. So I'm just going to point that out. Not a one. <laughs> so, But after you read all of these different sources, you're doing what's called a kind of syntopical reading, where as much as you're reading, you're also taking notes and you're writing, and you're looking for the places where there is agreement in other words, some of those experts don't agree with each other. You're not looking for experts who perfectly, oh, yes, yeah, we're all marching and chanting in tune. No, you know, it's, it's a matter of where is their agreement, where is their disagreement, but it, it takes work. And this is the thing that very few people are willing to do is to, to get in there and 
do the sweat-inducing thinking and work. But at the end of the day, when you compared the places where there was commonality and you looked at those things and then weighed them out for yourself, you could have a pretty clear view of what those trends were. And I think this would work with pretty much any subject. Now, obviously, if you're getting into molecular biology or you're, you know, getting into, uh, you know, genetic research, it could be a little bit different, right? Should give it a try, though. And trust yourself. That's the most important part. So many things. Every late night commercial on TV reminds you, hey, you're broken and you suck, but you'll be better off if you buy this. I want to assure you, you are not broken. You are capable of thinking these things through, and of course, you are capable of making your own decisions. Please don't settle for anything less. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I just want to uh, give a quick shout-out here to one of my sponsors. That would be the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. As I travel, and I don't travel a lot, but as I'm driving throughout the Intermountain West, it strikes me that, holy cow, there are a lot of people that have discovered this and are moving here from other areas, and I don't know the reasons. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, well, they're probably moving from lockdown central to places where they can breathe a little more freely. Doesn't matter the reason. If you're one of the thousands of people relocating to the Intermountain West, You've, uh, if you've arrived, you've probably noticed the real estate market is really competitive right now. So what this means is when you find the home of your dreams, your financing has to be squared away now. And that's where the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, located in St. George, can help you. Now, this is going to be of particular interest to any of my listeners in the state of Utah. The Heather Turner team has decades of experience in the lending industry. Uh, she clearly understands the ins and outs of what lenders and borrowers need. Bottom line is... Heather is the one you want on your side to make things happen when time is of the essence. You can contact the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage at 435-703-4522. You can visit their office at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. And Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. So I guess there was an award show over the weekend. I... I didn't watch it. I'm, I'm really not. Was it the daytime Emmys? I don't know. I saw a couple of clips on Twitter, though, of, uh, you know, starlets posing on the red carpet. Ooh, how glamorous. Look at this almost dress. Yes. And, uh, oh, isn't she so pretty? Stop and we'll take pictures. But there's a trend that I'm starting to notice, and this was first pointed out last week when uh, AOC went to the uh, Met Gala with her dress, Tax the Rich. And that was, okay, that's an attention-grabbing thing. Yes, okay, AOC, let's, hang on a sec, let me just give you a little round of applause. Oh, that was just beautiful, well played. (laughs) She's still online trying to explain how it was iconic and going to the dictionary to try to do this. But the crazy thing about it is that gala illustrated very clearly something that was also seen at the Emmys and has been seen at various gatherings of politicians and, and other high and mighty people. And that is the trend where the elite trot around maskless while those who serve them are forced to cover their faces with masks. And you can see this plain as day. All the photographers, all the people standing there helping and assisting these starlets as they were walking in, making their grand entrance. 
yeah, they're all masked up. And I think there's a, there's a metaphor here, or maybe it's just revealing something that uh, we've been ignoring. Got a great article here from Brad Palumbo from the Foundation for Economic Education, who says, forget the dress. AOC's Met, Gand- Met Gala scandal really shows inequality of lockdown life. Brad Palumbo says, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is no stranger to controversy. The New York Democrat and self-described socialist went viral this week when she attended the uh, the New York City Met Gala, where tickets cost upwards of $30,000, and of course, wearing a dress emblazoned with Tax the Rich. Now, critics have already, quite rightly, pointed out the grotesque hypocrisy in Ocasio-Cortez's stunt, partying with the rich and famous while pretending to oppose them or the audacity of cosplaying as a socialist champion while enjoying the most ostentatious and extravagant celebrations of capitalism's excess. But he says, while this hypocrisy has garnered most of the attention so far, it shouldn't actually be considered the biggest scandal of the evening. The real Met Gala scandal is the way the elite trotted around maskless while forcing the serving class to cover their faces with masks. An ugly reminder of the harsh inequality of COVID-era restrictions. From Ocasio-Cortez herself to Vice President Kamala's stepdaughter to celebrities, many elite figures were photographed maskless while attended to by masked workers. Both the Congresswoman and Harris continue to implore citizens, even the vaccinated, to mask up indoors. In one particularly disturbing video, a maskless Ocasio-Cortez literally has a masked servant trailing her and holding up her tax-the-rich dress so it doesn't touch the ground. The poors don't get to show their faces. Isn't that something? Brad Palumbo says this dichotomy is nothing short of grotesque. As dissident left-wing journalist uh, Glenn Greenwald put it, there's nothing, or there is something rather uniquely disturbing, creepy even, about becoming accustomed to seeing political and cultural elites wallowing in luxury without masks, while those, while those paid small ways, wages to serve them in various ways are forced to keep cloth over their faces. It's a powerful symbol of the growing rot at the core of America's cultural and social balkanization. A maskless elite attended to by a permanently faceless servant class. Now he says the same people who sneer at us to follow the science and listen to the experts apparently think the necessity of mask wearing depends on whether you can afford that $30,000-plus ticket or you're there as a worker. Combined with the litany of examples of left-leaning politicians caught violating their own COVID-19 restrictions, the gaudy affair is another ugly reminder that the elite have little intention of living by the pandemic restrictions they would impose on the masses. Palumbo says the Met Gala's glaring inequality is emblematic of the broader impact restrictions have had throughout the pandemic to date. It wasn't white-collar workers or the laptop class who had their livelihoods destroyed by the government. It was working people. It wasn't the rich whose businesses went belly up. They got bailouts. It was small businesses. In fact, an analysis by Harvard University, Brown University, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation showed that the economic destruction of pandemic restrictions almost exclusively fell on the middle and working classes. It compared employment levels in January 2020, pre-pandemic, to March 2021 to gauge the job losses for different income levels. The analysis found that high-wage workers actually saw a 2.3% increase in employment, 
Meanwhile, middle wage employment dropped 4.5% and very low wage employment plummeted 23.6%. Now, ultimately, address is just address, says Brad Palumbo, and one appalling celebrity event isn't that consequential in the grand scheme of things. So the outrage over Ocasio-Cortez's hypocritical tax-the-rich dress in the Met Gala will fade soon enough. We should never forget the grotesque inequity of COVID authoritarianism that this affair symbolizes. And Brad Palumbo says, and never submit to it again. I've got a link to the article. Again, I would encourage you, if, if you can stomach it, check out some of the clips on Twitter of the uh, the Emmy Awards or whatever the awards show was last night. I'm, I apologize, but I'm just... Hollywood has very little to offer me, so I, I just don't take advantage of it, and, and, and therefore I remain ignorant of it. I'm, I'm actually proud of that ignorance, if I can just be honest. But how do you feel about, well, you know, as long as you're one of the elite, as long as you're one of the upper crust, you can go without a mask. But that's for the little people. This is one of the reasons why... I am very adamantly opposed to masks. And and if I could, let me flesh that out for just a sec, because I don't want to make it sound like, wow, you are just, you know, totally inflexible in your thinking. That's not to say that I would never put on a mask. If I had symptoms, well, first of all, I probably wouldn't go out of my home. If I was feeling like I was sick, I wouldn't risk getting other people sick. Sorry, but I'm just courteous that way. But But secondly... If I'm going to visit someone, and if I'm going to visit elderly relatives or just someone who is at risk, someone who is undergoing chemotherapy or something like that, has has immune considerations, I do have a mask with me, and I will ask them, would you feel better if I were to mask up? And if they say yes, please, oh, well, by all means then, I'm going to put it on. I mean, this isn't like the central idea of my life. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the monomaniac and that's the only thing. Everything must be maskless, you know. It's when it's demanded. It's when it's mandated. When that one-size-fits-all approach is being hammered down on my head. That's when I want to push back. And I think this is probably as good a reason as any to resist these efforts to, to know your place or to be put in your place. I've got news for those who are, you know, trying to put us in our place. I'm a free man. I don't beg permission to go about, may I live my life, please? May I make a living? May I do this? I'll find a way. And I will live as freely as I possibly can. And if that means, you know, there are some places, well, you can't come in here without this. Okay. Then I'll find some place that I can. Now, of course, it feels like the noose is tightening. And I can't help but wonder if maybe this spells opportunity for people like me to to seek out like-minded folks and maybe we have to build our own parallel economy. Could be something based on barter. I don't know. I know there are great minds that are working on it. I'd like to be one of those minds that helping helps to push this thing forward to have a solution where, you know, hey, let the elite have their little club Let them impose restrictions on whoever they can get to obey. But I'm not going to be one of their denizens. Not a chance. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Please, I would ask you, check out the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Send a little bit of love in the direction of my sponsors. Let them know that their message is reaching you. And and by all means, take advantage this week. This is the last week of uh, National Preparedness Month. I know I waited till the very end of the month to say, by the way, this is here. Here's what's going on. But um, lifesavingfoods.com is offering for my listeners a 20% off price reduction. 20%. You just have to use the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, when you check out. And uh, 20% savings, that is only good through September 25th. So you better jump on it if you're so inclined. But uh, might be a really good time to get started if you're just getting started in food storage or to to bolster that existing food storage program. Now, if you are serious about not being deceived, which, by the way, is kind of a full-time job in our day and age, you've got to pay close attention to the inexplicable changes in our language, usually by the people who are trying to seek greater power and control. What do you mean language is changing, Brian? Well, I don't know. Can you think of any phrases or, you know, names of sports teams or anything like that that were once perfectly acceptable? Nobody said them with any hint of hatred or, you know, derision towards another person. But now they're banned. Why? Because they're insensitive. You can't think that. You can't say that. And, and of course, it goes even further. In fact, I want to share with you uh, an article that popped up over the weekend. This is from Red Pilled TV. Orwellian Medical Newspeak Revealed. And I have to admit, this is some pretty, pretty interesting stuff. We may have mentioned it here on the show, but uh, I wanted you to hear it for yourself. This is from Brian Wilson, who I believe is a a radio host uh, um, nationally. Orwellian Medical Newspeak Revealed. It seems very minor, but remember, you know, words have meanings, and when you change those meanings, you can shift the public's attention. Um, you can basically get the public to believe 2 plus 2 equals 5 by changing these definitions. So give a listen to how the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently changed the definition of vaccine to intentionally exclude the concept of attaining any sort of immunity from the word's meaning. Check it out. <laughs> The CDC has changed the definition of vaccine from, quote, a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease to a new definition that describes vaccines as, quote, a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. Why did they change the definition to exclude the idea that vaccines produce immunity to a specific disease? As the Gateway Pundit reported, quote, The problem is that COVID-19 is not a disease. It causes a variety of diseases. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky recently admitted that the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccine is waning. So, rather than admit the COVID vaccine is not working as advertised, the CDC took a page out of Orwell's 1984 and opted for new spin language. However, 
However, this isn't the only time that the medical establishment has moved the goalpost for qualifying definitions during this COVID-19 so-called pandemic. In fact, the very word pandemic's definition has been altered, thanks to help from the mainstream media, from a worldwide epidemic of an infectious disease that causes a significant or massive amount of death, to a new definition, where a worldwide epidemic is all that is necessary to qualify an outbreak as a pandemic. Why was the definition of this word altered in the minds of populations worldwide? Perhaps because the COVID death toll just wasn't as high as the WHO had initially predicted back in early 2020. So the definition was made more inclusive by excluding the need for significant death tolls. Not only vaccine and pandemic, but also the concept of herd immunity has been significantly altered in the minds of the masses. No longer does herd immunity mean that a large portion of the community has become immune to a disease through direct exposure to it and overcoming it with their own immune system. Now, with the new speak, herd immunity can also be achieved through vaccination and is constantly and consistently described with vaccination as the primary way of achieving herd immunity. All of this despite the fact that most pandemics throughout history achieved herd immunity without assistance from vaccines. So why was the definition of herd immunity changed? Clearly to push the final solution, vaccination. Treatments for COVID have been ridiculed and made scarce, despite their overwhelming effectiveness in reducing symptoms and aiding people's immune system in the fight against an infection. It seems Orwell's 1984 well predicted the New World Order's ability to change the very meaning of words in order to maintain and expand their own authority over us. May God help us all and cleanse the bodies of all of those who have accepted the mRNA vaccine into their bloodstream. And may those behind this pandemic burn away forever in the eternal fires of hell at the end of time. This is Brian Wilson with Infowars.com. Okay. <laughs> May they burn away in hell for all time. <laughs> okay, I, lo- I, I agree with everything else, though, in the, in the video there and in, in his commentary. Why change the meaning? Why shift things around? I mean, you realize we, we live in a time where uh, the ineffectiveness of a medicine, and I'm, I'm not saying that lightly, I'm just simply pointing out the, the vaccine isn't going to stop you from getting a virus. It won't stop you from spreading the virus. And that ineffectiveness is being blamed on the people who haven't taken it yet. I don't know. There's a lot of conspiracies out there. And, you know, the, the funny thing is some of them may actually be based in fact. It's hard to tell, though. Because some of the some of the conspiracies out there are just they're there to to lead you into a dead end. They're they're there to waste your time and waste your moral energy as you fret and you fuss and fight over it. Be careful. Don't uh, don't give too much of your allegiance to those things. But but also understand little things like changing the meaning of a word here and there, scrubbing this definition and putting in a new one. The cool thing is. There are people who pay attention to this, and I'm grateful for those who are, um, I've, I've heard it called weaponized autism, no offense to those who are somewhere on the spectrum, 
But there are people who pay very close attention to these things and can show you the screenshots. Well, look, here's what the CDC's website said on this date, you know, prior to COVID. Here's what it says today. And I don't think it's just a matter of, well, you know, the science hasn't changed. We've just learned more. This is very subtle. If it were a factor of science changing and, well, you know, we've, we've discovered something, you know, more important or something that, that makes what we believed before outmoded, it's okay to make a big deal about it, right? It's not the same thing as we were wrong. It's just we didn't understand this as completely as we understand it now. That's not what's happening, though. This is a very subtle little thing, a little tweak here, a little tweak there. Just, it's not to to derail us entirely, but more or less to shift those rails a degree or two in, in the wrong direction. Which, if you know anything about, you know, plotting a course, if you're off by just a couple of degrees, the farther you go, the further off course you're going to be. Look, as a nation, as a society... I think we're, we're getting to the point where we are way off course. And I honestly believe most people feel this at some level. I mean, what would it take? How, how obtuse would you have to be? I mean, like deliberately obtuse to look at what's going on around us and not come to the conclusion that, ooh, this doesn't feel right. And I know there are people who take exception. Oh, is it about your feels? Well, (laughs) I believe in science. I believe in facts. Well, I believe science and facts actually coexist along with, uh, with everything else that makes up reality. But I'm also just going to put it out there for the sake of consideration. You don't have to believe this. What if there is truth beyond that which can be quantified merely by our five senses? Yeah, I'm talking about spiritual truth. See, and to my thinking, that's not contradictory to the reality that we live in and what our five senses can tell us. That's a part of it. But I think we sometimes ignore, you know, the, the spiritual side of things in favor of just, you know, well, if it's not, if it's not something I can see, taste, touch, smell, etc., you know, you're, you know, it doesn't exist. I don't know how to explain or quantify the fact that I love my kids and I love my wife. But it's real. In fact, uh, these are some of the most real things in my life. The decisions I make are based in the reality that I love them. How can a scientist prove that? See, I don't think it's possible. This is The Brian Hyde Show. A trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. We've got some great stuff to cover this hour. I want to mention my sponsors who make this program possible by, well, keeping me fed and clothed and my family housed. They include MonticelloCollege.org, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, and also 
lifesavingfood.com. In fact, i got to take a moment here and just uh, tell you that lifesavingfood.com is offering a special through the, what is it, the 25th of September. Okay, so this is a limited time offer, but this is something that's going to be so worth your while. This is uh, National Preparedness Month. And if you have, uh, you know, been slacking on this, look, I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to make you feel like you're, uh, like you're, you know, somehow lagging because you haven't been as prepared as you'd like. I think we all could stand to be a little bit more prepared. So, for for this week, twenty percent off if you use the coupon code Hyde H Y D E. That's my last name. If you can use that coupon code, you, my friend, are golden. Great time to stock up and get started. If you uh, if you haven't uh, already, you know, started a food storage program, this might be the time to do it. And they've got some terrific stuff to go with. I was just looking uh, at their their website, and for, if you have someone in your family who is gluten intolerant, maybe you've been thinking. I mean, wheat is one of the major staples of food storage, and for somebody who's gluten intolerant, it's like, oh, that could be bad news. Well, they have options. Maybe this is something you'd want to check out. A little something to consider. Lifesavingfood.com. There's a link in the show notes at thebrianhideshow.com. 20% off this week, only through September 25th. And you have to use the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E. Be a good time to start saving some money. So, did you hear about the J6 rally in Washington, D.C. over the weekend? Now, I, I don't mean to make light. You know, I know the events of January 6th have got a lot of people uh, kind of wondering, well, what's this all about? What, uh, what does it all mean? But the crazy thing here is there are people who are being held as political prisoners. There are people who are accused of insurrection, and yet nobody of the hundreds of people who have been arrested, none of them have been charged with insurrection. 14,000 hours of videotape that the the feds are still sitting on. It just seems that there is really something unusual here. In fact, it seems like, to me, it seems like what's happening is the political class is just playing up, oh, this was the most terrible thing, because some people got rowdy. And look, some people were out of line. The people who were breaking things, the people who were sitting there fighting with the police and trying to disrupt, you know, the certification of the Electoral College vote, you know, there were some who stepped over the line. And the crazy thing is the ones who, who really initiated that, the ones who actually broke into the Capitol, forced their way in, moved with an efficiency and uh, economy of motion that would seem to indicate they were pretty squared away, as in trained individuals. This wasn't just, you know, the Trump rabble that showed up and was, ah, we go, the election is stolen from us and whatnot. For the record, I don't know if the election was stolen, but I don't for a minute believe that it was as honest and above board as as we're being assured. So honest, in fact, you can't even think that. You can't even question it. Oh, no. <laughs> there's there's a lot of, uh, lot of unanswered questions. Doesn't change the fact that those who are being charged are being held as if they were, you know, worse than Al-Qaeda operatives. They've been compared to Al-Qaeda operatives, which to me is just melodrama on the part of of uh, many of these uh, power seekers and opportunists in the federal government. So a rally was to be held on the 18th in Washington, D.C., you know, to stand up for these prisoners. And, of course, it's also, 
this this is also a chance for for Washington D.C. for the government to flex its mighty muscles and send the Capitol Police out there in their riot gear. I mean, it's hard to look at those pictures without hearing the stormtrooper theme or the Empire Strikes Back theme, the Imperial March. You know, as as they're sitting there waddling to and fro in all of their armor. Crazy, crazy stuff. But the funniest part of this rally in Washington, D.C. over the weekend is that it turned out to be more of a glow fest than a J6 rally. What do I mean by glow fest? Okay. It's no secret that the FBI is really good at solving crimes that it invented, meaning it will create situations where they will send an informant or some agent provocateur, but we're talking a federal employee, someone working for the FBI, goes into a group or goes into a bar or goes into some college hangout where, you know, maybe it's young, disaffected Muslims, maybe it's militia types somewhere. They'll go in there and start striking up friendships and striking up conversations, and eventually the conversation turns to, you know what? I'm mad as hell, and we ought to do something. Why We ought to blow up that thing over there and show them we mean business. They're just looking for one person dumb enough to nod their head and go, yeah, I agree. Not that that person was getting ready to go do it or had any intention to. They're just, you know, simpatico in that I'm angry too, and I wish we could do something. And at that point, you know, the, the informant, you know, the embedded or, or undercover agent, you know, starts suggesting, well, I know a guy who knows a guy could get his hands on something. You know, maybe he could put together a little, uh, you know, little explosive package and uh, we could make this happen. What do you think? Who's in? And they're just looking for anybody dumb enough to say, let's do it. Ah, here it is. Look, we've interrupted this terrorist group that was planning on bombing this BLM cabin out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, wow, this is incredible. Thank you so much for saving us, and thank you for your service. And So when, when you wonder, when you see somebody and they're just asking too many questions, so, yeah, I'm really into guns, too. What kind of guns do you have? Do you want to see my illegal ones first? You know, you can pretty much bet that that person is glowing. By that, they are radioactive. They are... There's something not right. If, if, if you, uh, you walk in and you see the guy with a buzz cut, you know, who's urging, hey, we ought to do something, we ought to do something, people will say, stay away from that dude. He glows. So this is what we mean by glow fest. And the pictures coming out of Washington, D.C., holy cow, innumerable undercover police and federal agents. One of the better videos that I saw, and it's just a short little clip, Capitol Police in their, you know, stormtrooper garb surrounding this individual who was dressed in black block, black mask covering his face, black clothes everywhere. You know, he looks like the typical Antifa type, you know, agitator out there. And they've got him surrounded and they're talking to him and they're like, okay, he's got his hands in the air and they're saying you're armed and they're taking this gun away from him and trying to figure out what's this all about here. Here's the kicker. This guy, they ask him, are you undercover? And his answer is, I'm just here. And then the D.C. police, or I'm sorry, the Capitol Police, realize, oh, man, we got an undercover agent here. But they had to make it look good. So they have to, you know, play the game. And, well, okay, uh, they didn't handcuff him. They just, uh, let's do a diamond formation, and we're going to march him on out of here. And they grab him by each arm, and, you know, they walk off in their little stormtrooper formation. And 
you know, giving the appearance, yeah, we're going to have to pretend to arrest him to, to maintain the illusion that, look, we caught somebody doing The only arrest that took place this weekend was an undercover cop. So when we come back from the break here in a few minutes, I'm going to share with you an article from Brian C. Jundef pondering, what if the FBI threw an insurrection and nobody came? Because that's exactly what it looks like happened in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. And, and there were some hum, just hugely humorous pictures of uh, a group of, of very clean-cut, very fit guys wearing jorts, all had the uh, standard U.S. government watch. They all had the uh, standard government Ray-Bans. And uh, one guy, someone pointed out, look, you can actually see this is not an undershirt. He's got a very, uh, very uh, concealable body armor vest on underneath his shirt. And they're supposed to look like dads at a barbecue. Yeah, there's, you know, dress, dress like you're, you know, some dad at a barbecue and just try to blend in. I'm telling you, man, these guys were glowing like the surface of the sun. Unreal. And I don't know if you, if you, you know, naturally want to go to these kinds of rallies and stuff. More and more, I'm beginning to realize the rallies... For some people, it's like, well, this is where the people show their voices. This is where they let the the people in power know, you know, that we are really in charge. And, you know, this is is how a message is to be sent in some people's minds. I'm not so sure. I think we talked about this last week. But sometimes, uh, rather than showing up for these rallies and chanting in unison, there may be a better way of just going on with your life and ignoring the controllers to the best of your ability. Get away with everything you can, but ignore them. Don't go out there and, you know, chant and confront them because it just takes one person, usually an undercover person or a provocateur, to tip everything on its ear. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about what if the FBI threw an insurrection and nobody came. This is from AmericanThinker.com. And I believe the author's name, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Brian C. Jundef. Saturday, September 18th, he says, was the date for the J6 rally organized by a political advocacy group called Look Ahead America. This is how they build it. As a rally in support of those who have been charged with nonviolent offenses to protest their disparate treatment at the hands of the Department of Justice and the judiciary. Our event on Saturday, like all of our events, is a 100% peaceful First Amendment exercise. We've had two dozen successful protest events around the country, including two in the District of Columbia, and have worked on a daily basis with the Capitol Police to ensure this is a safe, successful event. Now, Look Ahead America has a website with a mission statement. They say our mission is to register, educate, and enfranchise these disaffected citizens and ensure that their voices are not just heard, but heeded, and that the American dream becomes their dream once again. So I guess in light of this, you can donate, you can volunteer, you can become active in this organization. 
They're headquartered in Washington, D.C. with a leadership board of experienced individuals, people who worked in the Trump and other campaigns and in political advocacy, similar in experience to those one might find in other political think tanks and advocacy groups. In other words, there's nothing secretive about their events or where they stand on the issues. Unlike nebulous groups like Antifa, who organize in the shadows through message boards and behind black masks. It was to be the essence of free political speech, a peaceful protest and rally for a political cause, no different than the myriad other similar events held in Washington, D.C. This would be similar to the pink-hatted Women's March featuring James Comey or a George Floyd protest showcasing Mitt Romney. But the media and the Democrats painted a far more sinister picture. CNN warned, renewed fears of political violence grip Capitol Hill ahead of right-wing rally. That sounds like CNN, all right. The Biden administration cautioned, DHS intelligence bulletin warns of small number of online threats of violence ahead of justice for J6 rally. And the author here says, I don't recall seeing any similar warnings ahead of the many BLM protests last summer. Speaker Nancy Pelosi took the warning seriously, demanding fences and barriers, not on America's open southern border, but around her domain. Security fencing and barriers go back up at the Capitol. If only the Democrats were as security conscious regarding stranded Americans in Afghanistan. See, this was supposed to be the next insurrection. Like January 6th, when Trump encouraged his supporters to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. So they wandered from the Trump speech to the U.S. Capitol, where police officers felt so threatened that officers calmly posed for selfies and appeared to open gates for protesters during the madness of the Capitol building insurrection. Now, despite claims by Democrats, the media, and a handful of useless Republicans, including a former Republican president, that January 6th was somehow on a par with 9-11. The only fatality came from a black Capitol Police officer shooting an unarmed white woman. Now imagine if the skin and colors, the skin colors and genders were reversed. How do you suppose that would have played out? Was the January 6th events, were the January 6th events a giant setup, an entrapment scheme by the FBI to blame Trump supporters and other innocents? Tucker Carlson explained how the many unindicted co-conspirators on legal documents were likely undercover FBI agents, attempting to entrap, then arrest innocent protesters wandering through the Capitol that afternoon. Now, the FBI wouldn't do that, though, would they? Actually, they have a long history of such actions. In fact, here are just a few examples. Richard Jewell was falsely accused of the, by the FBI of bombing the Olympic Park in Atlanta in 1996. The FBI entrapped General Michael Flynn, destroying his life through a multi-year legal battle. At least 12 of the 18 supposed would-be kidnappers of Michigan Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer were FBI informants. And then there's Spygate, a fabricated tale woven by the Clinton campaign, FBI, and DOJ to seditiously undermine a presidential election and subsequent administration. Lastly, was the FBI's botched investigation over sexual abuse of Olympic gymnasts. Abusing young women was an unimportant matter for the FBI, yet they sent 15 special agents lickety-split to investigate a garage door pull handle in NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace's garage that supposedly looked like a noose. All right, back to the J6 rally. 
Anyone with half a brain could see this was another FBI entrapment scheme. To justify more arrests and more prisoners in solitary confinement awaiting trial for benignly walking through the U.S. Capitol. Social media was full of warnings to stay away from the trap. Even President Trump warned it was a setup. As usual, Trump was right. The Daily Mail reported protesters outnumbered police as just a handful of demonstrators turn up. Or outnumbered by police, rather, as just a handful of demonstrators turn up. One of only a few arrests was the comical scene of feds dressed like Star Wars stormtroopers arresting one of their own, an undercover cop. The piece de resistance, though, was this photo making the rounds on social media and the subject of endless memes featuring a half dozen 30-something men, tall, lean, muscular, with matching watches and sunglasses hiding watchful eyes, short haircuts, pistol-shaped bulges in their pockets, trying to look like MAGA protesters when their dress is more suited for a group Sunday brunch in Brooklyn or an Abercrombie & Fitch catalog shoot. And, of course, they were all maskless. Will Dr. Fauci be asked for comment on this as he recently warned against large outdoor gatherings and COVID transmission? The only thing missing was AOC in her Tax the Rich costume to complete the staged and contrived event. Brian Jundef says, Rather than entrapping some poor souls coming out to support the Constitution and Republic, the FBI stepped in it again. It won't be long until some enterprising Internet sleuths identify the undercover feds confirming which agency they actually work for, likely the FBI, based on their track record of infiltration and entrapment. Should the FBI change their motto from fidelity, bravery, integrity to false, bogus indictments or something similar? It turns out they threw an insurrection party last weekend and no one showed up except their own agents. Well, hopefully they were being paid time and a half for their weekend work. It is kind of humorous. And at the same time, it's also just a little bit sickening. This is what we have come to. And and I think the, the hard part for me, I don't expect, you know, it's not shocking to me, well, the FBI would act like this. I am shocked. No, I've, I've seen some of the things that the FBI is capable of doing. Um, I remember very well, you know, their their hostage rescue team's conduct during the Randy Weaver saga. I remember them burning down the Branch Davidian, uh, you know, compound, or actually laying siege to it before burning it down. Yeah, it's they they have a pretty bad track record. I saw with my own eyes what was brought up in the courtroom about what they did with the Bundy family, and, and the 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 way that things were treated at the Malheur Wet Refuge where it was, oh, wow, these these dangerous militants, so dangerous that Lavoy Finnicum and Ryan Bundy literally drove away from that refuge and drove all the way to Cedar City, where Lavoy was a guest on my radio show, and then they drove back. Boy, that sure sounds like somebody who's hunkered down and, you know, pointing guns at the feds, and, you know, it's a standoff. Yeah, that wouldn't happen in a standoff. And the FBI was complicit in that whole siege mentality that took place there. They're very good at saving us from monsters of their own creation. That doesn't concern me as much. I believe that uh, they are as corrupt an agency as has ever existed within government. And frankly, not just our government, but any governments. What disturbs me, though, is the fact that there are people who still listen and still believe. That's concerning. I don't know what to do about that. 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Our program brought to you in part today by the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I know when it comes to buying a home, you know, it's it's great when it's a, a buyer's market. This is a seller's market, and boy, you better have your financing in order when you find the home of your dreams. So if you're one of the many people moving to the Intermountain West, particularly to the state of Utah, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, located in St. George, Utah, is there to help you. From VA loans to traditional loans to reverse mortgages, they have the stability, the clout, and, of course, the expertise to get you the loan you need without delay. Call Heather at 435-703-4522. If you're in St. George, swing by 619 South Bluff. That's uh, where you'll find their offices. Or you can also uh, check them out online. I've got a link in my uh, show notes to an email if you want to contact Heather directly. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386, and Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. So I had a friend, a pragmatic friend, who told me very early on that he got the vaccine because he was a pragmatist. Well, you know, this is a good way to protect yourself. But now he says, you know, with the kind of questions that we see coming up, he would likely have held off if he were given that choice today. Now, that's not an anti-vaccine attitude. He's not an anti-vaxxer. But he's somebody who recognizes, whoa, there's some things here that just aren't adding up. And I want to share with you a commentary from Dr. Ted Noel, who is a medical doctor. (laughs) I love the title (laughs) here. Let me explain it for you. This is from American Thinker. He says, let's get one thing clear right from the front. I'm not the big expert. That's because there's way too much information for any one person to understand. I'm just the splainer, since I'm the nut who's taken way too much time away from his golf game to study the experts and learn what's actually going on so I can explain it for you. Don't try this at home. He says, I'm a professional. I spent 36 years practicing medicine with a huge chunk of that time wearing masks both in the operating room and the extensive, oops, intensive care unit. The the expensive intensive care unit. My job is to translate doctor into English. But he says, first things have to come first, and like a lot of other times, I have to start with every one of those bits where I hit my forehead with my palm and cry out, duh! Like every other doctor, he says, there was something I missed that should have been totally obvious. Vaccines don't keep you from getting infected by a virus. Now, he says, you read that right. Vaccines don't keep anyone from getting infected. Their job is to keep you from getting sick. In fact, every good vaccine prepares your immune system to shut down an infection after it's gotten started. That's because antibodies and T-cells live in your bloodstream. They can't do a damn thing about a virus that hasn't infected you enough to get into your blood. But once it gets there, they can go to work keeping the bug from hurting you. At least that's the theory. And he says that's where we find the first problem. Airborne diseases like COVID-19 don't go straight into your blood. Instead, you breathe after you breathe enough virus-laden aerosols in... The air sacs in your lung get a pretty good covering of virus. Now, this doesn't make you sick. 
But the virus latches onto the pneumocytes, that's the cells on the inside of those air sacs, and start making more virus. Now, this means you can share with your neighbor. In fact, many vaccinated people actually breathe out as much virus as someone who is sick with COVID-19. But you aren't defenseless. Your air sacs have alveolar macrophages. By the way, if I'm mispronouncing this, please forgive me, but I don't have a medical background here, okay? He says, specialized cells that use pattern recognition receptors to identify the Wuhan flu. Over time, they will clean out the air sacs. And vaccinated people seem to be infectious for a shorter period than the unvaccinated. The viruses that got into the pneumocytes will create more viruses. Some of those will find their way across the basement membrane. That's the barrier between the blood, between blood and air in your lungs, and then into your bloodstream. Once there, if your immunity is good, your T-cells and antibodies get to work, you may never even know you were infected. Of course, the vaccine is only about 85% effective. You might get sick. So suppose you are one of those vaccinated people who gets infected. Dr. Noel says you could have gotten it from your vaccinated friend who got it somewhere. The bug is in the wild, which means it is everywhere. You can't avoid it unless you stay outdoors 24-7, 365. Out there, any virus is diluted so much you won't catch it. And in the daytime, the sun will destroy it with UV light. That's why the number of people who caught the Wuhan flu outdoors is indistinguishable from zero. Indoors, with recirculated air conditioning, the virus concentrates. It stays in the air for hours or days. So when you go into a space where someone has been shedding virus for a while, in other words, vaccinated even, you will get exposed. And don't give me that mask-wearing nonsense, he says. The other guy wasn't wearing a mask that cut down uh, the amount of virus he left behind by any meaningful amount. He's breathing out as many as 100,000 virus particles a minute. You only need 100 to 1,000 of those virus particles in your lungs to get infected. You aren't wearing a properly fitted fresh N95. That means the virus gets to you easily. Both masks were nothing but virtue signaling. Their only real possible value is as bling. Neither mask provided any material protection. There was no source control on the other guy and no exposure control for you. This brings us to the 900-pound gorilla in the room. You are more likely to get infected today than months ago because of the vaccine. This is the superbug problem. Now, Dr. Noel says, a few years ago, we were all so worried about bacteria that couldn't be killed with antibiotics. They were so deadly that anyone who caught MRSA or C. diff was doomed. But you don't catch those bacteria. They're common. In ordinary circumstances, they compete with so many other bacteria that they are a non-event. If you kill off all the other bacteria with antibiotics, MRSA and C. diff are what's left. Now you have a problem. You didn't create the bugs. You created the situation where they could take over and kill your patient. So he says, we fixed these problems by severely restricting antibiotics. I got three days of an old drug after my shoulder replacement, and that's it. I wasn't, I wasn't on cefazolin any longer than absolutely necessary, and it didn't have time to wipe out a lot of the bacteria in my body. So the MRSA and C. diff never got a toehold. Well, vaccines are doing exactly the same thing just with COVID variants. 
The Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J vaccines provide immunity to the alpha variant spike protein. Because viruses are constantly mutating, there are dozens of variants. We hear about the Delta, but Lambda and Mu are already in the wild. Each one of these has a slightly different spike protein, making your immunity not so good. But if you recover from COVID, you also have immunity to other parts of the virus, such as the nucleocapsid and envelope. The Fauci ouchie doesn't help with them. That's why your immunity after recovery is much longer lasting and robust than after the shot. It also explains why Gibraltar with a 99% vaccination rate is having huge problems with COVID variants. It's also why getting a booster coating for just the alpha spike is stupid. You need immunity to the whole virus. But how do you get over a case of Wuhan flu? Space doesn't allow a full discussion, but he says the CDC and FDA are totally invested in expensive vaccines that cause myocarditis, strokes, miscarriages, and other major complications. They've not only refused to endorse any pre-hospital treatment, whatever, they're actively discouraging effective protocols, such as the $8 per person treatment that stopped the Delta variant in India. One has to wonder if it's because it uses ivermectin, an incredibly inexpensive drug with very little toxicity. So here's the bottom line. And again, this is from Dr. Ted Noel, a retired anesthesiologist and intensivist who posts on social media as Dr. Ted. He says, we will never eliminate COVID because it has animal reservoirs that pass the virus back and forth from animals to humans. If we follow Sweden's example, where natural immunity has basically eliminated the Delta epidemic, we can go completely back to normal as long as we treat the bug in the early stages. If we continue to vax, mask, and lock down expecting a different result, well, he says you can't fix stupid. I don't know if you find that interesting or not. Again, this isn't to spark arguments. This isn't to get you into more fights around the dinner table over vaccines, but... The, the standout line from this piece is that vaccines don't keep you from getting infected. This, is, this may be one of the best explanations I've seen of how vaccines are supposed to work. But can we be at least honest enough to recognize that if that is how vaccines are supposed to work, they keep you from getting sicker, then why is it that we're still seeing this push for everybody must be vaccinated, yet the the infection rate is as high as ever maybe the highest it's been look i i can't fault the experts for being human but when they start trying to take away my ability to choose i can fault them on that and i will every time this is the brian hyde show This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, we are back. Once again, just a quick reminder, please check out the 20% off sale at lifesavingfood.com. If you have been putting off, you know, getting your food storage, this is the week to do it. Okay, this is an observation of National Preparedness Month, which, uh, you know, the month is just about over. But through September 25th, my listeners can get 20% off their order at lifesavingfood.com. 
And if you don't have if you don't have a good seventy two hour kit with with long term food storage in it, this would be a great time to do that. If you if you haven't started any food storage program, this would be a great time to do it. Twenty percent savings. Here's the only kicker: you have to use the coupon code Hyde H Y D E at checkout in order to get that. But it's a limited time offer. It's for my listeners exclusively. LifesavingFood.com. Check out the link I provide for you in the show notes at thebrianhideshow.com. Well, it sure feels like somebody's dialed up the uh, difficulty level of life. I haven't talked to anyone who says, yeah, I haven't noticed that. I mean, we're all feeling it, right? Alan Stevo says, look, this is not a reason to be sad or to, to mope. He says, take heart. In fact, he says, you are being tempered for tougher battles ahead. And that's actually a reason for optimism. I really like his take. And I think Alan Stevo may be one of the finest examples of a person who is living mission. Not because he's attracting the, the biggest audience and being financially rewarded beyond his wildest dreams, but because I think he is having the kind of impact that is actually putting people on a path to where they can stand up and assert their freedom with confidence and recognize how much power they actually have in their lives. There's a difference, okay? Fame and fortune, those are pretty fleeting things. They'll come and they'll go. Impact has the ability to put someone on a life-changing course correction that, that takes them places they never could have gone otherwise. So listen to what he has to say about uh, being tempered for tougher battles. He says, I want you to look at every bit of adversity around you and say something to yourself. I want you to say that this is a time intended to make you stronger. This is a time intended to toughen you. This is a time intended to grow and learn and to hone your weapons and skills, to temper your blades, to train yourself as a truly formidable warrior. This is a time happening for you. Life is happening for you. The moment, the present is a gift for you. Now, he says, listen to me. I don't care what these know-it-alls say. This is not the last stand. This is not the last opportunity. But he says, if we don't win at this juncture, things are sure to get so much worse. His point being, we need to beat back these mandates. We need to set these tyrants in order. We need to be on our knees asking the Almighty for wisdom and understanding. We need to be fighting the most meaningful fights around us every single day. Likely fights that are very local to us and small in number. Fights that may be so local and and personal that they seem to affect no one but us. Once you win a few of those fights, you often start to see how much impact the thing you called little or selfish really had as it rippled out far beyond anything you might have imagined possible. Those most important ripples, though, are in your own life when you fight such battles. Now, he says, flu season is upon us. Every year, respiratory viruses are more prevalent and more die of respiratory virus-related illnesses at this time of year. This year, like last year, they won't call it flu. They will call it something more scary. Just like every year, people will die. Anyone with a memory remembers knowing people who have had the flu and died. This is common of terminal cancer patients, late-stage organ failure patients, and a host of others seriously ill. Everyone with a memory remembers knowing people who had pneumonia and died. This is common of people who've broken their hips or other bones and are laid up, people who spend lots of time in bed, 
people who have been frail or people who are on in years. Everyone with a memory remembers having had a cold that totally floored them, maybe for a week or two or even three. This has happened even to the healthiest among us. It's happened to everyone we know. But he says, if you have a memory, then the biological consequences of what has been taking place since the Ides of March 2020 are nothing new. They are the same, or at least relatively the same. Is it a bioweapon from Wuhan? Well, Alan Stevo says, I don't know. Do illegal immigrants carry it with them? I don't know. I personally do not believe too much of what I do not see with my own two eyes at this point, and those two narratives require me to believe that the two biggest liars on earth, the U.S. government and the Chinese Communist Party, you know, I'm not going to take them at their word. Those narratives do not change my priority of living daily life more freely and helping other lions to do the same. Do you understand what he's saying? They may be nice to have answered, but they're largely distractions from my own life. And what Alan Stevo's getting at is he says, what I know is that every year people get sick and die. It's usually about 1% of the U.S. population that dies annually. About that many appear to have died last year, if I'm to trust the data from the lying CDC. What is different since the Ides of March 2020, however, is the human response to this. He says, today we stand at a pivotal moment in history. You can bemoan the situation or embrace it. If you be a lion, I need you to embrace it, to engage with unceasing focus in the most freedom-generating, immediately effective behaviors you can be engaged in. And he says, and then I want you to focus on, a, on self-improvement after you are done, almost as important a step as the actual act itself. He says, go home afterwards, take out a piece of paper, divide the paper into three equal segments with a pen. Segment one is right the next is wrong, and the last is next time. Now he says, take five minutes and ask yourself, what did I do right? Then, what did I do wrong? Number three, what could I do better next time? And he says, jot down those answers. Dig deep. Put them to paper. It works way better if you do that. And then do better next time. Your mistakes, the first time you make them, are no big deal. Fail to learn from them, and they become a big deal. He says these five minutes are very useful for identifying them rather than repeating them. Now, unfortunately, there are many collectivists that have not escaped that mindset, yet who gladly have been converted to freedom. They are seeking to bring you under their umbrella and create massive organized movements, and there's something to be said for that. There are far better economies of scale, less wasted effort. That's an advantage. But it's not good enough of an advantage, though. He says the real advantage is had by many, many small, disparate, relatively disconnected groups of people and many, many more individuals, each doing their own thing, living life as freely as possible, fighting tyrants in their own life, and spreading freedom in their own spheres of influence. He says, I agree, it's disorganized and frustrating for those used to a corporate organization chart or those used to following top-down orders. There are poor economies of scale and, accordingly, a massive amount of resources wasted. But in exchange, there is spontaneous order, there is entrepreneurial ingenuity, there is constant A, B testing, there's massive competition for those with the best approaches, and there's nearly unlimited redundancy. And then he asks, do you know what that means? 
That means the enemy can't chop the head off the beast of freedom. There is no head. There is no mass movement. There are thousands and maybe millions in each state actually living life that way. That's the change that matters. The change that happens in individual lives. And he says, I will trade that for a mass movement any day. In fact, it's what I've been working on for 18 months, avoiding the mass movement and rousing individual lions. How fulfilling it is and how well it works. He says what the average foot soldiers and loyalists of the political left, uh, when the, of the political left, when they become disenfranchised with the medical tyranny taking place, there's going to be mass demonstrations like you've seen in France or Germany. That's a collectivist response, but that's not at the core of America. No, he says at the core of America is a is small business, small church, family, small direct impactful charity entrepreneurship, local community, bootstraps, small farm, maybe even just a few plants in the backyard. Niche methods of news distribution like the one you're reading right now, cottage industry, local relationships. Every man is intended to be his own man. And he says the maker will one day look him in the eye and say, why should I let you into my heaven? And at that moment, there won't be an army of people around him to back him up. It will be just him and God. That idea is not lost in America. This is not collectivist. It's the very opposite, and it is the backbone of America. I like this. He says, if you can embrace these moments for the opportunities that they are, opportunities to rise to the occasion, then you will find yourself doing exactly that. It's a game, and we are winning. It's a game, and he says, I see it all around me, the most amazing warriors prepping for battle, a mass of lions I never knew existed on the earth. And how could I? Nearly all of them were asleep until the Ides of March 2020. But he says, the enemy has no idea what he's up against. It's a joy to count myself among this impressive pride. Check out the link in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. This is The Brian Hyde Show.